we're aware they're in the room and we're all right with them being in the room. And if they make a bit of noise, it just means that this church is going to outlive the rest of us. And that's a good thing. There are a lot of churches where there are no sounds of children and that's not a healthy or a good thing. So we're glad that they're here. We will try, in fact, I even moderated the lesson today for them. How's that? Because we're gonna talk about a snake. And sometimes to illustrate this, I set it up by acting as if I had brought one in to show and then lost it. We're not doing that. Um, <laughs> however, when you read the Bible, you find if you start at the beginning that we've lost a snake. And that's not a good thing. We lived in South Carolina for just a year back in the day when I thought I was gonna retire and just you know, do, do my uh, medical stuff and make lots of money and play golf and then God goes, not so much. And 9-11 hit and we changed our lives. But we were in South Carolina and my son came in and he said, da, there's, we say da in our, our people, da, there's, there's a snake in, in the garage. And I went, really? Fascinating. And then they all looked at me and I realized, oh, Fair enough, I'll go find the snake, shall I? Now, I've asked, people have, I went in, found the snake, uh, grabbed a, a shovel implement of destruction of some sort, dynamite, can't remember, but um, killed the snake. I've had people, uh, let me just forestall this, shall I? People come up to me all the time, ooh, what kind of snake was it? Dead. <laughs> um, and if any of you wanna come up later and say, oh, there are, it, it might have been a harmless snake, let me also forestall that, shall I? Anything that can give you a heart attack is not harmless. It doesn't matter if it has big fangy, th one person even said, did it have little pets under it? Seriously? You get that close, you get two big holes right here. So no, no, I, I don't really care. Uh, I would have hit it with a flamethrower if I had one, but um, when they're, why did I go off to the, to, to the, gar the garage and do, and, and do battle with the, the massive snake? Um, I, I don't know if you've ever had this situation or not, but you, if you have a snake missing, you need to find it. When you start reading the Bible, start at the beginning, creation story is a beautiful, wondrous one. You get a quick overview of creation and God goes back and gives you details of how he made man and woman and, and how we came to be on the planet and it's very fascinating. And then right in the middle of this great story, a snake shows up. Uh, it's an incredible special effects snake because it talks uh, and it's able to reason and the like. And, this, and it's a snake. When you see a snake, you should notice the snake. I think one of the reasons why we have problems with snakes is because snakes are too easy to miss until it's too late. You know, if they, if they crawled around going snake, 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 that would be helpful. That would be quite helpful. It's a designed feature. I'm not really sure why God didn't incorporate that. But here's a snake and you see a snake, you've got to pay attention to the snake. That's important. I, I can remember being on the golf course once and a guy goes, oh, look over there, a few feet away, huge rattlesnake. And I found out something very important. I can fly. <laughs> In all of Scotland, we're told we only have one poisonous snake. It's an adder there. Uh, I've never seen one, but I have woken up in the middle of the night and wondered, has one seen me? You know, you never know. 
The snake is dangerous. This snake in Genesis is quite dangerous and what he does ends up driving man and woman, the sum total of humanity, away from God, separated from the garden of God, and now in a life of pain, trouble, fear, sweat. Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, the first prophecy in Scripture. So the Lord God said to the serpent, to the snake, because you've done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. We often, because we're not Semitic people, we miss the fact that there are two things there. One, you'll crawl on your belly. The second is you will eat dust the rest of your life. It's two different things. Eating dust means total defeat. The snake was going to be defeated now and forever. Now that's very good news, but there's some very bad news. The snake seems to represent their whole race of beings, not human beings. Adam and Eve represent the race of human beings. These beings are angelic or spiritual beings of some sort and they don't like us. This snake has help. Often, especially with teenagers, remind them that we're not alone in the universe. And not everything out there likes us. We need to remember that. There's going to be a long and a bitter fight between the kids of Adam and Eve and the kids of the snake. That means we're going to be involved in this too. So verse 15 says this enmity, this anger in chapter 3 verse 15 of Genesis, this fear and fighting is between their seeds, their people. But one day, it says, the seed of woman, which is a very odd phrase. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring or seed and hers. Now, why is that an odd one? Because back during this time, they didn't know that women had a seed or an egg. They looked upon women as incubators of the man's seed. And you can see that all the way through the Old Testament, the way the laws were set up, the way the marriage traditions were set up, the way the genealogies were written. But God goes, no, there's going to be somebody born of woman without man's input. And he's going to come for you, snake. And you're going to hurt him. You're going to hurt his heel. It's all right. I love it when toys run forward. Uh, that's fun. Uh, it is. It's a sign there are kids here. And it's a sloped floor, so I'm going to get them. That's fine. Uh, by the way, um, large coins will also... No, no, no. No. Sorry. The, the Scottish in me came out again. You're, uh, the snake is going to hurt this boy. But he's going to mortally wound the snake. That's the setup for the rest of the Bible. That's the good news but it's still going to hurt. Now, with that said, yeah, bring it on. We we got Genesis chapter 3, and the battle has begun, and then the snake goes missing. There's no mention of the snake. Now, that's not good news. There are snakes out there, and we don't know where they are. I I was raised by an interesting father, uh, very stern, very strict, uh, and had definite opinions, and still does, by the way. And he always said there are only two biblical things to do with a snake. When Moses saw one, he ran away. When Paul saw one, he killed it. That's it. You run away or kill it. And I can remember we were across in Appalachia because we were there lots. My father loved working there for 
short periods of time. And as dad was preaching, he, I, I think it was about 12 or 13 at the time, he had me helping them work to, they were building a retaining wall against some, uh, the hill was sliding into a backyard. And so, well, I, he, he put me to work while he talked to them about Jesus. I reached over and picked up a rock. There was a snake. Now, it was just a black snake. I don't know what kind of black snake. There are probably 50,000 kinds, and I'm not really interested, so don't bring me pictures. And it was about this long. And I just picked it up, and I went, I went looked down, and I went, snake. Well, about that time, it was like being caught in the 4th, July 4th display. Because my father had a pistol on him. Don't ask, he did. And he emptied 11 shots, because there was 10 in the clip and one in the chamber, into this snake. Now, there was nothing left afterwards, but snake shrapnel <laughs> on me as well. My ears are ringing, smoke's clearing, and I said, I think you got it. <laughs> but that's what you do to a snake whenever you, you, a snake has come up on you without going snake, 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 and it surprised you. So we've lost the snake. The first time we find any other mention of snakes is all the way in Genesis 49, and that's not helpful. In Genesis 49, verse 17, one of the tribes of Israel, Dan, is said to be going to be like a snake that attacks passing riders. Okay, there's no information there at all. That does not help us. So, we go to, I, I know, I know. I feel that way a lot. Um, I'm on airplanes and kids are crying and I'm thinking they're only doing outside what the rest of us are doing inside. In Exodus chapter four through chapter seven, we see a battle of snakes. Moses' rod becomes a snake. Remember that? God says, see, you know, what do you have in your hand? He says, got a snake. He goes, throw it down, does, becomes a snake. Moses runs from it, kind of funny. God says, come back and pick it up, which would have disqualified me for being a prophet forever. I would have gone, no, no, sorry, kill me now. Uh, but he did. But then, you know, the priests of Egypt, they make their own snakes. Your church people, you know these stories. And then Moses' snake eats their snake, which is still pretty good news because it shows us God can control what happens with snakes. That's good. But the snakes are still out there and we lose track of them until Numbers 21. There's a snake loose. We should get more bulletins about where the snake is. But in Numbers 21, the Israelites are angry because they want to attack the Edomites. Uh, the Edomites have mistreated them, but God says, no, they're your relatives and you don't attack your relatives. And so they're upset and they're griping at God. So God sends in poisonous snakes among them. Good news, the snakes are still ultimately in God's control. Bad news, he can let them loose when we rebel. And they had rebelled. They were venomous in their anger, the Hebrew says. They hated the manna that came from heaven. We don't like this food. We don't like the way God's running things. So he didn't give them something from heaven. He gave them something from the desert. Snakes, those that were bitten, died. They told Moses to break one of the greatest taboos of all. He says, I want you to make a graven image. Whoa. Moses was on the mountain not that long ago and being told, don't do this. God's saying, I need you to do whatever I tell you to do, even if it looks like it is breaking the greatest taboo of all. Make an image of a snake, take your time and do it right Make a bronze serpent, put it up there. It's a weird story. Anybody betting comes look at the serpent, they won't die. Wow. That's not a comforting story. 
in so many levels. And I, I still believe that there are probably some people saying, don't you believe God loves you? You don't need to go look at a snake. God can save you without looking at a snake. No, God tells you to go look at a snake, look at a snake. And that's so hard for us to learn. We've got to face our fears to follow God. We have got to overcome our qualms and fears to face God and to follow God, rather. God makes him understand only he can give life And then there's Psalm 91 and verse 12. I mean, that's a big gap. We find another snake. And God says there that God is going to stomp the serpent. Yes. The only problem with this is it's a future tense. I will stomp it. I would much prefer it if he said, the stomping occurred yesterday. You are fine. Didn't say it. We got to go to Amos now. You keep reading through. Amos chapter 5 and verse 19 warns us that when you can... This is not a helpful passage. Not if you're trying to, to get away from the snake. Because in Amos 5.19 says, you can think you're safe. You can escape a lion and then escape a bear. This is a bad day. And then you come home to your own house and you're bitten by a snake. That's a bad day. And it also is not a comforting passage. So finally, we don't see snakes again. But we do see another story. And I'm kind of cheating by breaking in the story, but I'm not really cheating. I'll explain it as we go. Enter Mary. Mary is, you know, Mary, as we'd say in, 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 in the Scots. She's, she's just a little girl. And now her life, is, her reputation, everything is over because God's saying, you're going to have a baby. And she's going, well, wait, wait, I've not been with a man. And he says, no, this is the Holy Spirit's work. The seed of woman. Okay, okay. Now remember, we, we've been waiting for the seed of woman since Genesis chapter 3. Because Genesis chapter 3 says he's the one that's going to stomp the head of the snake. And if you don't know what that means, it means deliver a mortal blow. Doesn't mean kill it immediately. It means he's going to take care of the snake. Been waiting for our snake catcher. We've been waiting for our hope. My original title for this lesson was Hope in Midwinter. And then you decided not to have a winter this year. So um, I don't, it's just, I'm calling it, who can catch the snake now? That's, that's the best. And, and now that we're in Tennessee, by the way, a couple of you have been so kind as to take me out to get me out of the office and have me play golf. And when a ball goes into the rough, I, I wave goodbye to the ball. Because people say, no, that ball cost a couple of dollars. And I'm going, do you know how much anti-venom cost? Do you know how much a, an ambulance ride costs? Quite expensive those are. So, by the way, I have that same rule about milk. Uh, people bring up milk and go, do you think that's bad? Pour it out. I know milk is expensive, but have you seen stomach pump pills? That's horrific. Why, why, are, you, why are we questioning this? Um, then again, science. Uh, and the, here's this Mary. She's, she's a, we, we see her in the picture. She's always white and glowing with a little you know, pale blue stuff on. Stop it. She's a Jewish girl, dark, and her hair would have been wild or been pulled back and covered. However, at her age, it would have been. The the way they wore their hair and the coverings uh, indicates their status in life. So I don't know what kind of covering she would have had, if any, at that age. And then here comes God and tells her, your child 
is going to stomp the snake. Now that's dangerous because the world is full of snakes. The children of that snake ruled Mary's world. Caesar, Herod, keep the list going. The ones who followed the snake ruled her life. And yet the son of God lives in her womb and she knows what's about to happen. The snake is about to get stomped. Her prayer, the Magnificat, we call it, is often said softly as if it were a devotion, but it is not a devotional poem. It is a declaration of war. She knew Herod, not personally. She knew about him. She knew what that snake had done to his people, to his own family. She knew that Herod and Caesar were oppressing the poor, were agents of the snake, and had an iron rod ready to strike any Jew that rebelled. But the birth of the son in her meant God was going to confront the snake. Look at what she says. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. She's remembering the promise in Genesis chapter 3. But what does she say? Well, anybody who would have heard her say, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, would have known it referred to Herod. We don't live in that kind of world. We can go on Twitter and like make fun of any politician we want to. But be aware that most of the world doesn't live in that kind of world. You make fun of Vladimir Putin, you can go to jail or disappear. In Thailand this week, a man was sentenced to many years in prison for slandering the king's dog. We don't understand what Mary was living under. She was living in the coils of a snake about to deliver one who was going to be the enemy of the snake. And she, before the baby is born, says he's going to bring this snake down. It's a subversive prayer. The snake stomper is coming. And God is sending him, so he must be, a, must be good at stomping if God is sending him. The Herods of the world will be dethroned. Mary's son, this newly conceived son of David, has gained a foothold in the world. With Herod dethroned and Jesus enthroned, that was her cry. Raise up my son, bring down the snake. And she never abandoned it. Mary's amazing. All through his life, Mary is available, even at the cross and even after. Mary stayed with her son. Of course, Herod responds to this by what? Sending in forces to kill the baby. He knew what Mary went, it meant, rather. But he wasn't the only one who knew. Caesar Augustus comes along and he changed Rome. It makes an appearance in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. He changed all of Roman government. From then on, you didn't have a prime minister type government. He declared himself God, Savior, bringer of peace. And the Romans wrote hymns to worship him as Lord, God, Son of God, 
the bringer of peace. What does Mary's son have? The angels come and say, he is Lord, he is God, peace on earth. The battle has been set. The real savior is about to meet a snake. Her prayer was that the snake's days be numbered, that her son can do his work. Now we know the woman, Mary, we know her seed, Jesus the Christ, and Jesus wastes no time in announcing who he is and what he's here to do. In John chapter three and verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. He is the one who by the command of God is there to remove the other snakes. Do you remember lifting up, which is such a horrific thing? You're making a graven image? This seems so wrong to raise this up, but you do this, you're delivered from the other snakes out there. Jesus said, it seems so wrong, but the Son of God is gonna be lifted up, and that'll be an end to the snakes. Do you understand the illusions now? We don't normally get these because we don't normally read the Bible as a whole story. We tend to, to break it apart and search for secret doctrines or something. But when a cross comes, it does look like the snake got him. All the snakes of hell crawl out of their pet and go after him, but they made an error. Same error some lions did once upon a time. Do you remember when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den? But as soon as he got there, it became Daniel's den. Because the lions couldn't eat him. Couldn't open his mouth. Why? Because it's Daniel's den now. And when all those pet, those pet vipers come out of their pet and try to drag Jesus back to it and back into a tomb, three days later, he walks out. They do not. People, that's not Jesus' tomb. That's the snake's tomb. He's dying and he knows it. There's a story in Revelation and we're gonna read the whole chapter of it. Revelation chapter 12 or most here. Let's put that up. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, a crown of 12 stars on her head. She's pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and seven horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so he may devour this child the moment he was born. Let's stop for a second. I love nativity scenes. There, we have some neighbors that have really gone the extra mile. There's some, there's some people showed up at the nativity scene that God didn't even know about in the Bible because they're there and it's just amazing. But if we really did a nativity scene according to what was really going on, it wouldn't look pretty and it would frighten the children because the sweat and the dirt and the manure of the barn. Yeah, but the snake also knew where this son of God was going to be born. He was an angel. He was there when the plans were made. Before he was cast out of heaven, he heard all of it. So the dragon, another word for serpent in scripture, who is awesomely powerful, that's what all those sevens mean. All this huge power and such. He is laying in wait in the barn to kill the baby. But there's somebody else in the barn. Michael is there. 
Now, I don't really know if I've seen angels or not. I've seen some things, not really sure what I saw, but, well, I think I've seen some angels, but I've never talked to them. But if ever one showed up in my bedroom one night, after I was revived, because I would go down, after I was revived, my first question would be, what is your name? Because if it's Gabriel, yes, good news. If it's Michael, uh-oh. She'll give birth to a son, a male child who will rule all the nations of, with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God in his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, the serpent, the snake. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night, has been hurled down. Just stop for a minute. Little side thing here. If ever you get involved in criticizing a brother or sister in Christ, you're joining forces with the serpent because that's what he does. Be careful. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, the sea means the people in Revelation, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. We're gonna stop for a minute, we're gonna come right back to it. I love dogs, always have loved dogs, but you learn something very quickly with a dog. If a dog is badly injured, you cannot touch it. It will bite you because it's in pain. The devil is dying, but that doesn't make him not dangerous. There is nothing more dangerous than a cornered, dying animal. Reading on. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Remember Herod? The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to a place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time out of the serpent's reach. Remember their flight to Egypt and back? Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. Now, if you're getting lost, put it this way. The battle is still on, but we have Christ already with us to win the battle. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. That's us, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Let's look at the next passage, Revelation 20 and verse 2. See, this is God on the day of judgment. This is still coming. He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Now, a lot of people try to make a thousand years literal, and they try to make it, well, it's here, it's there, it's whatever. They're, they're missing the point. The point is this. God's not going to let that devil do more than we can resist. 
we're going to be able to stand against him. Now, we may not survive, but God's people will, and we will live forever if we stand. Mary had it right. Jesus, born in Bethlehem of this amazing young woman, was the one sent to stomp the snake. Snakes are still out there. They can still hurt us. We're not alone in the universe. If we're betting enough, we can die. But we don't have to die. We can turn away from the snakes of this world and choose not to be a friend of the snakes. We can choose not to let snakes have power over us. We will walk with the Savior, the Son of God. Mark, would you bring your team back up, please? Or is it just you or is it the whole team? It's the whole team. And let me look up. Do we have the Magnificat where we could get that up again? We do not. Okay. That's all right. I want you to please stand with me. Mary's prayer is a prayer for all of us. Every day we should pray for our leaders, yes, but then we should also pray that God brings down the evil leaders and God raises up his people, his son, and those who follow him. Christmas is presents and gifts and beautiful flowers and let trees and I love it all. But Christmas is also the story of the one who came to end evil. And then look at us and call us to be a part of the battle. It is not just a celebration. It is a battle cry. I believe in Jesus Christ. Therefore, I accept the Christmas story as my own. And remember, with the beauty comes the danger. We will live forever if we choose to walk with Jesus. Amen, church? Amen. Merry Christmas.